Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Today's first reading is Malachi, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you will, who you seek will suddenly come to his temple, the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Indeed, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and is in former years. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Our second passage for the morning is taken from Luke's gospel. We are in the second chapter verses 22 through 40, still early in the Gospel of Luke as we are following chronologically from Jesus' birth into his early ministry. So we are early. We are reading from Luke 2, 22 through 40. Listen now for the word of the Lord. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to whom all were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. 
When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we begin our journey into scripture this morning, we begin with Malachi. Malachi is not one that we generally know a whole lot about. That is one of those minor prophets at the end of the Old Testament, kind of sandwiched together at the end between some of the the bigger prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, um, but before we stop and get to the New Testament. Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament and in some ways forms kind of a bridge to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. Now, Malachi was set in the time when the Babylonian exiles, exiled in 586, remember they came in, wiped out Jerusalem, wiped out the temple, its first destruction, and they came back and built the second temple around around 515. So we think Malachi was around the early 500s or late 400s. He was addressing a group of exiles who had just recently returned home and were trying to find their way forward in a new environment after having been in Babylon and wondering if God was still with them. It was made clear to them that their uh, Babylonian uh, conquering was because of their own sinful nature, because of their turning away from God. And now they're trying to find their way forward, wondering if God is with them and wondering if they were still God's chosen people. So enter Malachi into this equation, and Malachi is addressing the priests who also were being lax and lackadaisical about their duties and their faith, as well as the people who were again asking these questions about whether they needed to be faithful if God was there at all. And so into this comes this understanding, this, these phrases we're focusing on this morning, the refiner's fire and fuller's soap. One of the interesting things about Malachi is, and really this is what we hear when we hear about Malachi, it is the refiner's fire, secondarily fuller's soap. And in this process, as Debbie already shared with you, You take this mass of kind of uh, uh, raw material, this ore, and then you apply extreme heat, and it melts all the impurities away, leaving what's at the core, the good stuff, what you want, that gold, that silver. And the same thing with the fuller soap. A fuller was kind of like a launderer, and so this had to do with textiles or mostly clothing. So the fuller's soap would be lye or some other chemical soap that would be used to remove stains from clothing or material. Both in the same vein. Both through a process of cleansing, you come out the way God is intending you to do so. So one of the first things about Malachi in this larger category of refining and being refined is to notice that one of his 
methods and styles of writing is to use questions. Questions. Malachi is only 55 verses, only four chapters, 55 verses. And in that 55 verses, there are 22 questions. One commentator said at the end of of his commentary on Malachi that this introduces a new way to communicate, a new way to be in faith discussion through questions into dialogue, a process that Jesus used many times as he asked questions all the time. Questions. When we think about asking questions in our world, how many of us like to do it? Thank you, those of you who kind of raised your hands. That was a bonus. Generally, who learns the most in a class? Generally. Those who are asking questions. Generally, in life, if we continue to ask questions, we are continuing to learn to grow. At some point, however, we stop and we get too mature and pride-filled for our own good to continue asking questions. Kids generally, children, have no problem asking questions. Where's my juice? How How do I tie my shoe? Where's the dog? They ask questions, no problem. But again, at some point, questions aren't as easy as they used to be. Why? Because we get to a point where, depending on your situation, you can't ask questions anymore, especially if you're supposed to be an expert in any particular area. For example, you know, I, I travel in the world of biblical scholarship. If you come up to me and you're ready and you say, do you know who Obadiah's third cousin twice removed was? I would say, no. And that's my feel. Even for the things that we know about, there are always questions that we can continue to ask. For example, have you ever come to church and you recognize people Sunday to Sunday? You may have even been in a Sunday school class or a reception or a Wednesday night or a something or a something, but you don't recall their name, but you've seen them enough and they might even know your name but you don't feel like you can ask because you've passed the threshold of appropriate questioning of their name. There was a story that I will share. Uh, I was at a Montreat youth conference. I was one of the adult leaders in a small group. And in small groups, there are several adult leaders along with the small group leader themselves. So I had come into my small group first day and I recognized a friend of mine that I had been to Montreat with several times, another adult in several capacities. And he comes and says, Danny, how you doing, bud? Now I said, great, how are you, friend? Couldn't get it, could not for the life of me. I, I could tell you where we had spent time together, other conferences, other opportunities, and he's asking me about my family and, and knows exactly where I am and what, what, you know, my ministry at the time. And I'm like, oh, oh, what is it? What is it? Lord, help me, help me. So the first thing we do is they ask us to pair up with somebody in the group and then introduce them to the rest of the group. My buddy comes over to see me. 
And I'm thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And they call on us first, first. And he starts and says, this is my buddy, Danny. He says, my buddy, Danny, I got nothing. And I said, and this is my buddy. And he says, John, John, was so sorry. I was so, John, I love you, brother. I hope you're still my friend. If I had just asked him right when I got there and said, yeah, I remember when we were together here, but I'm, I'm so sorry. Please remind me of your name. If I had just asked, I would have, avoid, uh, would have avoided the embarrassment of him and myself. But asking questions assumes a certain amount of vulnerability. It means saying that we don't know something. And at work, if we're seen as those who know everything, or you're in an environment where you can't fail, the last thing you're going to do is ask questions. But we're called to do that. This refining process happens through questions. And you know in life as you age, the, 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 the statistics and the studies are clear. If you continue to engage yourself and especially find new things, new areas of interest, new things to try, hobbies, areas of interest, so you are being inquisitive, you are asking questions, you continue to grow. It continues to stimulate your mind and your passions. When we stop asking questions is when we run into trouble. And in our faith journey, the refiner's fire is life. It is life. We are constantly in this process of being refined by God and God's Holy Spirit. And certainly our faith journey, another metaphor for that, is this refinement that continues. And we need to not be afraid, as evidenced by Malachi, who's throwing out all these questions for us, to ask questions, and then sometimes we get the answers. We don't always. But we continue to ask, and you get with other people who are also asking questions. The safer, the more trusting environment, the better. And I understand it's not always safe. And I understand just take yourself back to middle school or high school. Who wants to be the one to ask a question? Nobody. You don't want to call attention to yourself. You don't want to look dumb. But who are the ones that learn the most often? Those who ask questions. I can't remember an interview I, I heard, uh, but I will relate to you its generalities. Uh, somebody who had been very successful, uh, it was, it was a, a man was being interviewed, and the interviewer asked him, is there anything that your parents did that helped to stimulate this growth, this success, this love of learning? And he said, every day when my mother dropped me off at school, she wouldn't say, have a nice day. She would say, ask good questions. And I took that to heart, and I made that part of my life's motto. And I would remove even good because then you start to ask yourself, well, that's not a good question, so I'm not going to ask that. And, well, again, all that, self, all that self-esteem, negative self-esteem comes into play. Just ask questions. Just ask questions about anything and everything in life, but especially your faith. And, again, the journey 
is to seek those answers. One of the best ways to prepare a sermon, I'm letting you in on a little inside baseball right here, or to teach a Bible study is to read your passage and then ask questions, make a list of those questions, and then go after them. Some of those you'll find, some of them you won't, but you will have an intimacy with that passage because you have been asking questions. So Malachi encourages us to do this as a part of our refining, as a part of that purification process. Questions are a key component. So number two in the refinement process, things that happen to us refine us. Yes, that is the case. Am I saying that God intentionally causes awful, desperate, dark, and broken things to happen to you and those you love and the larger world so you can be refined? No, is my answer. Unequivocal no. God does not look down and say, hmm, today cancer, so I can refine or abuse and neglect so someone can be refined. That's not the way God works. But what we do know is that God set up these laws of life, these natural laws, and we will all encounter hardship. Our refinement is when we find ourselves in those dark, broken places and we realize that God is with us and we rely on God. There's knowing God's out there, and then there's fully relying on God, even if it's because you have nowhere else to go. Often that's when we feel God's presence the most. We are refined through that process. I don't mean things are instantly made better. I don't even say you will even feel better, but it will give you a hope and the joy of presence, which isn't necessarily happy, to know that God of steadfast love is with you and you are going to make it through this ordeal. There is a, a rabbi who shares uh, this basic story of uh, a traveler being lost in the woods, alone by himself on his uh, own two feet. He's lost, it's nighttime. To make matters worse, then the storm comes lightning flashing all about. And the rabbi says, the fool focuses on the lightning. The wise man focuses on the illuminated path. Oh. The fool focuses on the lightning because that is the source of the fear. And I'll take away the word fool and add the way most of us would do. Focuses on the fear but the one who has faith will focus on the illumination, meaning that there's a way forward out of that fear with the presence of the risen Christ with us. So often we focus on the fear, we don't see the rest. If we are in those difficult moments, and again, give ourselves to God and to Christ, we know that we are not alone in the process. If we live in this posture of humbleness toward God and admit we don't have it all figured out, admit to God those questions that will make us even vulnerable, 
I should have known this in the third grade. How come I don't know this? I'm embarrassed to ask what a manger is. What, what, what are swaddling clothes? What, all of those things. It is okay, friends. This is a safe place and environment to do so. But to live ourselves prostrate in a humble fashion to God means that we are allowing ourselves to be refined. There is a story about a hiker who goes up to climb to ascend the Alps, a summit on the Alps. He takes two guides with him. One goes ahead, one goes behind. And when they finally reach the summit, he's so excited, he runs past the guide and he stands up on the summit and he is nearly blown to his death because of the gale force winds. The guy jumps up, pulls his safety rope down, and says, up here, you've got to stay on your knees or you will die. Not a bad way to live our life. On our knees before God, in a humble fashion, we are not a kneeling, worshiping people, but when we bow our heads to pray, we are assuming that humble posture before God. We are giving him the power. We are putting ourselves down to humbleness. That is a part of our refining process. So third, so we talked about questions from Malachi. We've talked about stuff that happens to us. And now it is our turn in this third one. And that is a refiner's list. What is it that we know that we need to put on a list that we can, with God's help, continue to refine ourselves, to grow in spirit, closer to God, closer to others. It's those things that we find ourselves confessing again and again and again, just about every Sunday, or when we come before God in prayer. If those things are patterns, put that number one on your list. You don't even have to make a long list. Just start with one thing. Put it on your list. Call that your refined list. And do your best to work on that thing. We are called to be active in deepening our relationship with Christ. This is one way to help that process. To go back home and realize that Christ is waiting to help us there's a story about a man in AA Alcoholics Anonymous who, as he began, begins his process, goes and purchases a fancy watch that does all kinds of high-tech functions. Goes to a specialty watch place that does everything, gives you all kinds of information, even the phases of the moon. Well, he realizes in reflecting on this fancy watch and his journey that if something happens to that watch, because it's so fancy, he can't just take that anywhere to be repaired. He has to go and find the maker of that watch who knows it intimately, who knows its complexities, to fix it in only the way that maker can. And yes, we are that watch. We are complicated and complex. And the way that we help to maintain and grow and repair ourselves is to go back to our maker. There is no doubt. 
If you remember the Peanuts cartoons, you remember Pigpen. Not sure what was at issue with Pigpen. Had hygiene issues. Could not get himself clean. Don't know if he wanted to or he wouldn't. Not sure what Pigpen's home life is like. But there was one strip where he's, it's all about him and he starts and he starts scrubbing in one scene and says, oh no. And then the next one, he's trying to scrub again and said, I was afraid of this. And the next one, he says, mom, mom. And she comes in, he says, I think I've passed the point of no return. Which means that he was so dirty for so long that he couldn't ever get himself clean. Fortunately, that is not the way our sin is seen by God, nor should it be by ourselves. When we allow ourselves to be refined, when we allow ourselves to make this list and start to attack and achieve success and growth with God's help, we are getting closer. We are being more refined. So as we move forward today, remember we are to ask questions in all aspects of life, especially our faith. And in doing so, we will grow. We are to remember that God is with us no matter what, and that we are being refined at moments that we don't even know it. But in moments of tragedy, the important part isn't to realize you're being refined, it's to know that God is with you. And in that third part, it is incumbent upon us to make a list of refinement. How can we address those things in our lives that are keeping us from God and from one another? And in that, those impurities start to bubble away and we claim that which God has given us to be. Those golden hearts, that love, that joy, that is so often with us, but sometimes clouded by some of that mess that just gets in the way. We need to give thanks that there is a refiner and that there is a process by which we are continuously being molded into that which God would have us be. So let us go with courage and with joy to be refined as God continues to refine this world. Hallelujah. Amen.